probably the best fest we've had as a band yeah so Fuck it was yeah. cool i think this was my 10th my ninth or 10th time playing fest wow it was i'm pretty sure this was a decade for me as an attendee so probably like this was my seventh or eighth playing sweet i know there's one, one or two yeah it's always a good time it's always like a highlight of the year uh for our band and just like personally it's nice to see all like our buds from you know literally all over the world uh all in one spot and it's the only festival i know of where like you know they would ask us to play well yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the bands that are truly like you know don't really have much of a platform get to play and get right. to play for a large and interested audience um like my favorite thing about like everybody makes their schedule and it's you know you never stick to it and so my favorite thing is when you like end up staying at a venue because you're hanging out with someone that you're having a good time with and you end up seeing a band that, that you weren't planning to see that you've never heard of um, that ends up being like your favorite thing you've heard in a long time you know um, I, it's been like such a such a cool way to discover new music and yeah, it's just great can't say can't say enough good stuff about that. up everyone welcome back to another episode of beers with bands this week i'm sitting down with uh, a couple of dudes from new junk city how you guys doing we're doing, doing well let me uh, open my non-alcoholic beer really quick <laughs> mine was already open yeah let me reopen it for you <laughs> right seal it back up and then just open it again yeah thank you dakota you're welcome <laughs> Uh, for people that might not know, uh, New Drunk City is a pop punk, punk rock band based out of Atlanta. Um, you guys recently just put out a new record that we'll talk about here in a little bit. And I mean, I, before we get too far into anything, I do want to say this new record is amazing. I've, I've jammed it probably three times leading up to today. Um, and it's, there's not a song on there that I like you know when you listen to like a new record you're like okay i'm kind of done with this song i want to skip it like there's not one of those on this record for people listening um but before we get too far into it can you go (laughs) (laughs) right um before we get too far can you say who you are and what you do in new drug city yeah i'm john i'm the vocalist and uh guitar player i'm dakota uh i play guitar John's also the songwriter too. I'm just being modest. We both write songs now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we <laughs> lead lyricist. Yeah, <laughs> You're there the you go. Lyricist. 
I go, da, 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 and then you just do it. Uh, and then we are missing a couple dudes. Uh, we could probably give them a quick shout out and what they do as well. Yeah, uh, Jeff is our uh, is our drummer um, and arranger extraordinaire, uh, and Mason is our our bass player and sometimes backup vocals. Okay, bassmaster general. There we go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I mean, like I said. The, this new record it sounds great and for for the record that i'm talking about it's called bag of promise came out uh towards the end of october i think the 21st is what i saw um so at the time mm-hmm. this recording it's only been out you know a couple weeks so far um i'm I, like we were kind of talking before we fully started the episode you, you basically dropped the record played fest the week after um you just had your your actual album release show on the fourth like what's the response been between all of that i know it's kind of action-packed in those last couple weeks um it's been great like i think every time we put a record out you obviously like hope for a, a good response but i do my best to like kind of expect nothing um because we've i think collectively not just with new chunks but we've all you know been putting out records for a long time and usually uh in my experience the response has been nothing um so the fact that like anyone cares that we've like you know played great shows and sold some records and people seem to like it is uh super humbling and um the response has been much larger than previous records and i think we're getting some new fans and um that's really cool i think that's the you know the whole reason to do it is to hope that people connect with the songs that you're writing and it um it seems like that's actually happening so it's awesome yeah, it's been like overwhelming in a good way. Uh, I think we finished the record and we're like, I, I think it's good. <laughs> I like it. Uh, but it's nice to, now that it's out, uh, I mean, we recorded it like two years ago. So now that it's finally out, it's good that we weren't like off base with thinking it was like a pretty, pretty all right record. Yeah, it feels like uh, we're not tired of the songs yet. Yeah, and it feels validating to be like, oh, we were right. Like, this is good. <laughs> Um, not just like, oh shit, people think this is really bad. <laughs> right. Maybe that's what's going to happen next week. No, probably. I mean, like you said, you recorded this two years ago. This is the first thing you, you've released besides, I think you guys did a split in 2019, but you guys had the last, your sophomore record came out in 2018, uh, called some places, which was also a joy to listen to today. I, I kind of started at like your earliest stuff and just like made a small little playlist and went through everything chronologically. Um, and you guys seem to cons- to have like a consistent sound um, throughout where it's that, like you guys label yourself as like a pop punk band, but you lean more like punk in a way, uh, but it's not like heavy. Like there's that fine line with punk where like it turns into like kind of like punk rock and you guys are on that like weird spectrum, but it's a, it's the nice enjoyable spectrum to just like, put on and just listen to while you're like like what i did where i was at work all day and just vibed out and it was great yeah i like i i like that the idea of what punk music is is changing and like i've i feel like i see lots of bands i I think like punk and diy are becoming sort of interchangeable terms and it's much more about like you know, your values uh, and sort of ethos as a band rather than what style of music you necessarily play. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I've always I've always just been like when people ask like what kind of band are you, I'm like we're a punk band because like that's just what I that's what we know, you know. Right. That's the scene we've always kind of. I think we all grew up in and. Yeah, I don't know how meaningful that is, but yeah, I, I told my uncle that one time. He was like, "Oh, so like, Ramones or Good Charlotte?" I was like, "I'm, I'm probably closer to Good Charlotte." I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't do delivery spikes yet, <laughs> but maybe one day we'll get you there. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do like on Freaks and Geeks with just the raw eggs. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. I remember my friends used to say, like, whenever someone asked them, like, what kind of music they, they play, and they'd be like, oh, pop punk, and they're like, what is that? And they're like, just think about, like, any American Pie soundtrack. Just, like, that's that's what we sound like in general. You yeah. know that one Jimmy World song? It's like, <laughs> doodle, 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 kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm very fine with that. Yeah. There's many worse things to be compared to. Yeah. Now you say pop punk, they're gonna be like, "Oh, so like MGK," and you're just like, "Let's go the other way. Let's yeah, just let's shut that door." Sure. There's, I can't even remember the name of it. I, <clears throat> I should have been more upset about it than I was, but I was recently replaying through the, the Tony Hawk games that they like remastered and re-released. Oh yeah. Uh, and they updated the so it has like the OG soundtrack. With like all the fucking silly like Goldfinger update, huh? The updated Goldfinger songs. No, okay. there's so it has all the original songs. Like it has like the Goldfinger song. It has like Police Truck by by Dead Kennedys. But it also has some newer ones. So I like an American Nightmare song. Uh, their their last single, uh, Life Support, which I love. But there's a fucking Machine Gun Kelly song on there, and it's really good. <laughs> I really liked it. I would find myself skipping all the way through the radio station until I got back to it. Well, maybe, catchy, maybe it just complimented the gameplay. A catchy song's a catchy song. Yeah, that is true. Even like, if he, yeah, like that first pop punk record he put out is super good and catchy. I didn't listen to the second one, but the first one is is. I, well, I, I listen to it. The lyrics, the lyrics might be dumb, but like an earworm's an earworm, you know. <laughs> right. Good job. For I, don't, I don't know enough about him, like to say things one way or the other but yeah like i think that's i don't hate pop music as like a go-to like it's it's literally engineered to be like highly consumable and you know uh like so catchy that you're singing it in your fucking sleep so like good they they did what they set out to do yeah good job <laughs> But enough of MGK. Machine, <laughs> yeah. Be like, I'm, yeah, I'm so glad that guy said good job about my song. Like, I'm an artist. I'm really mad at you. <laughs> Telling my dad, Travis Barkner. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely okay. going to happen. Yeah, I can't wait for yeah. that. Like, I already feel the emails coming my way and just, like, talking about it. It's a good way to get famous, right? Just like start shit with people, <laughs> right? Right. Talking right. Machine Gun Kelly every chance I get. It's a bold move. Like, let me know how it plays out in the long run. It's I, not gonna go well. I'm, but I'm really good about it, actually. <laughs> I think no one. I think it's just yelling into a void, probably. I don't know. Uh, like I said, Bega Promise has been out a few weeks now. Um, 
I did. I was able. Someone put a few of the like songs from your from the album release show onto YouTube, so I was able to watch some of that. So it kind of felt like I was got to experience like your uh, full album That's release, cool. and uh, it was it was it was a lot of fun. I, I really, I mean, for sure in uh, sold in bunches, having the horns actually be there in person to play that uh, really adds a lot. Just because I was I was really admiring that that track and uh old made today because that transition between the two is so seamless and so flawless and then you bring in the horns that kind of just amp it up and then it just becomes this whole big uh i can't think of the right word but like big uh like end note for the whole album uh because you kind of get to old made and you kind of like okay like gonna end on this chill note and then you're like Actually, we're gonna just ramp it up one more time, and it's done so well, and I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Call an ambulance, but not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we. So, I'm glad it worked out that way. Sold in bunches is like a pretty old song that I had put on a. Um, you know, I was talking about records that no one gave a shit about. Um, I Dakota will be lining my grave with copies of my first solo LP. <laughs> Um, and that was the last song on that record and I liked it but I had like you know insisted that it took me like four years to make that record and I was like so insistent that I play all the instruments on it uh, and that was a mistake so we wanted like one more song uh, for the record and and Dakota came to practice and you know just like weren't coming up with anything he was like what if we did that song sold in bunches like that's a good song and we can do like our take on it. And I think it would be really cool. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, but what if you play the riff like this? Like it was a lot more pop punky when I played it than what it wound up being. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we like knew going into the studio that we were like, oh, let's fucking put horns on it and strings. Um, but the more everything like sort of came together, we started adding a lot of 12 string and a lot of like keys on the songs. Um, and thankfully, like we have, we've worked with the same producer and engineer for a really long time, Damon Moon. And uh, he just tends, he tends to kind of let us do whatever we want in, until we're about to step in shit. And then he'll sort of pull us back and be like, no, don't, we're not gonna do that. Um, like if I was like congas, he'd be like, no, I think that's a bad idea. Um, so I, you know, I think we just wanted to try some new shit out. And thankfully we know a lot of talented people that for some reason, uh, you know, wanted, wanted to hang out with us. They and, all and immediately said yes, us. we really duped up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we had some friends that like laid down some strings and, and this was all during pandemic too. So like the fact that you know, I think it says a lot about the, um, you know, the talented folks that we keep community with that not only did they like play these right and play these parts um, for this record, but they all mostly recorded their own parts too, or recorded oh. with, you know, a roommate or, or whatever. So, um, and then they were sweet enough to come and hang out at the release show and play the parts. Yeah, it was really, it was really, really nice on all sorts of levels, just like, you know, getting other people involved, it always feels good when it's like, hello, incredibly talented friend, please help us plebs do something. <laughs> yeah, I think it made it feel a little bit more like, um, you know, again, a celebration of like the community that we're a part of, not just like, 
hey, we put this album out, fucking buy it. Um, a chance to do something that we don't always get to do. So like our friend Gus played keys for the whole set. Um, and yeah, our friends came in and Darren played horns. And George, George played the fiddle. Yeah, it was just, it was really cool. Like we've never done that in the almost 10 years we've been a band. Um, so it's nice that there's still like new stuff and fun stuff. So, I mean, I, I it's always commendable when you come up with an idea to kind of go away from the the norm of like a punk band and you know you have you see your guitars your bass your, your drums and kind of pepper in all that extra stuff it always adds to me as like a listener it adds this whole extra element that i just really love hearing just because it's it's not not everyone's doing it so when it, you get a chance to find a song that does that and does it well um and doesn't like over use overuse like those instruments as well like it just makes it so much better so well, well we I, tried to overuse yeah them, for I, sure yeah that was when damon moon was like eh. but no uh i think there is like a fine line of when you're using something as like a gimmick to be like oh look at this cello we got a cello player but like there's cello on three tracks on the record and, um, I, don't, and I don't think most people could like pick no, that out it's yeah. very subtle like on rosie there's like on the pre-chorus and the chorus, there's cello parts, but it sounds just like this bass tone that's like rumbling below. So it, and a lot of that is credit to Damon Moon when he was mixing it. Um, he is more of an indie producer, so he has a little more experience with that than like loud punk bands. So he uh, has kind of a unique perspective and really knew how to like pretty seamlessly blend a lot of those extras. Uh, we read- one... And when to take shit out and, and be like, hey, this, this glockenspiel part you recorded doesn't work. I know that you really like it and it sounds cool on its own, but like, it's not, I think he does a really good job of like, you know, uh, serving the song mm -hmm. and not the ego of the people writing it because, uh, that that's something you can run into is like, well, I wrote this, this part and like, I want to, I want it to be like the loud part of the song because like, I think it's the coolest thing and having to step back and be like, well, what, I think I might think it's like the coolest sounding thing, but let's get some space. Let's also see what everybody else thinks. Like how loud should it be? And right. most of the time we just say like Damon work your magic. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we did all the things we wrote all the parts. Now let's like step back, try to detach from it and let, let like someone with an outside perspective determine how it's going to sound good. And thankfully all of our friends who recorded like additional instrument parts were like, use it if you want to, whatever. <laughs> yeah. They were like very, very cool about it. So there were parts that were recorded that were just like, it's not serving the song. Uh, let's just scrap it. And like, nobody got their feelings hurt. So it was a very, we love recording with Damon and especially Except me. I got my feelings hurt a lot. Constantly. Because, yeah. <laughs> me and Jeff yelling at you. Yeah. The glass. I'm a bit of a soft boiled egg of a person. So <laughs> that explains the smell. Um, but yeah, it was a great experience. It's always great recording with Damon and just having some other buddies involved this time. Uh, it was really fun and really refreshing just so it wasn't like us in our own heads the whole time about like let me come up with this guitar melody we just did on a different instrument it's nice well i think that's part of like you know talking about how punk as a genre to to me is like less about the music and more about the company you keep and sort of how you operate as a band like fucking why not put some xylophone on shit like why not have strings and horns right. like it's fun and like, I'm not in a band to 
like take it all too seriously and 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 worry about like oh people will say it's not fun like no one's probably gonna listen to it so at <laughs> yeah. least that was our thought going into it like let's just have fun like i've it's like a rock and roll dream. Like, yeah, have my friend Darren play saxophone with us. That's right. really cool. Like, make us sound like Bruce Springsteen. You know? <laughs> right. Well, you could make me look like Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Not Bruce Springsteen now. Though. Yeah. Rick Springfield. I got it wrong. <laughs> uh, out of all the stuff that would have possibly been recorded as, like, extra elements that didn't make it to the record, what's, like, the, the one thing that's, like, was, like, the craziest or like what's the song that would have been completely different with those extra elements um we actually recorded the full running time of the record worth of feedback uh with dakota's guitar let's let's back this up a little bit <laughs> so i'm pretty good at like doing feedback sure i'm pretty good at it so i have the headphones on i'm standing in front of my amp it's very hot in this room and the record's like what 35 minutes long i think it's 30 31 or whatever yeah. so close enough. so i'm like what key is this song in and i can hear our drummer jeff in the background being like i don't think he understands what he's doing he's just making feedback and i'm like jeff i understand i need to know what key it is and everybody in the room was like no you don't just make feedback and i was like okay so i did for 35 minutes we didn't use a single damn note of it <laughs> because it was in the wrong key i think we used one squeal yeah it was in the wrong key because it is important what key you're feeding back in it depends on what you're trying to do with it we were trying to use it as an underlying feedback <laughs> yeah we but were yeah. not on the same page yeah uh it's and... fine though uh, clearly we didn't really need it but next record is all noise all feedback uh <laughs> in the right key with a xylophone track in the correct key um now i think other than that i don't think there's a ton there were some parts there might have been some string parts that we didn't use on stuff that was songs. just a little too busy um nothing like crazy though there wasn't like a zither part that we're like bro the zither part is insane um yeah we kept most everything there might have been like a cello or a viola part that was a little too busy that we cut but yeah the feedback that was probably the one where we spent a lot of time on it and then just it didn't it didn't pan out and that's a lot of recording too is sometimes you do something you think is going to be cool and it's not or sometimes it's cool and it just doesn't work with that song yeah to, yeah right um, now on the other side of that question was there anything that you wanted to try and get recorded for the album uh they like obviously you have stuff that you cut but was there anything that you were trying to get prior to that that you weren't able to like get your hands on uh re recording yeah ones. more vocal takes <laughs> um i i would have loved i really struggle with uh with singing in in the studio and thankfully again like i've worked with damon for a long time and and he's really good at making me feel like comfortable and he knows how to be honest with me without like overstepping um because it can be for for me anyway like it, it's a really vulnerable space to be in and because we're a loud band it's uh it's usually the first time that the rest of the band hears the lyrics or when we go in to record because they might hear like the melody that i'm singing at practice but when you've got earplugs in and it's that fucking loud like it's just not what anyone's focusing on and so to have you know two or three other people 
sitting across from you behind that pane of glass and you're like yelling your words at them or in their direction anyway it can be like overwhelming for me um and yeah i doubled my vocals on this record which is maybe the one thing in hindsight that i kind of wish i didn't do um but having you done that on like every other recording you've ever done yeah uh and so it was again just like what felt familiar and and kind of safe um but i wish that that's the one thing I wish we would have had a little bit more time to like work on that. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's, there's a fine line between when you get like obsessive about something and making it perfect. And I don't think that having a perfect take is what makes a record good necessarily. Um, I think there's, you know, a lot of recordings that I like, there's, there's charm to, let's say, or like, you know, something being rough around the edges maybe contributes to why someone likes it rather than having this like, you know, perfect take on 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 every vocal and every guitar and having it be like crisp and clean and um yeah. But other than that, there yeah. was there was nothing for me. There we didn't have like any extra songs that we wanted to record. Yeah. And there weren't any like all the major parts we got. There were a couple songs where we spent like a lot of time like trying to get a certain guitar effect. Like we wanted to get this um what was oh, it the, the last yeah we spent like a lot of time playing around with pedals because you know there's a lot of pedals in any recording studio so we were trying to get this like really increasing in frequency and speed reverb was that what it was no I was, was I was trying to get a tremolo that's that would sustain like one chord strummed out that the effect which like tremolo is a uh, a rapid decrease and in increase in volume so it sounds okay. almost like a like helicopter blades uh when it's really choppy right um and i was trying to like make the speed of it variable but the guitar was like the chord was decaying too quickly and so i couldn't get enough sustain and then we tried and playing then... around like the amps turned up to like 10 and you're like in front of it trying to change like <laughs> setting it, we spent a lot of time on it it wound up being fine, but I, that's the one thing that I can think of that we never got that was like, I thought a great idea. Yeah, and I think we both like could hear it in our heads yeah, like, and, just, and just like, <laughs> just we're not able to like find the the tools or technique to, to get the sound out of the head and like yeah. onto the record. But I don't, I don't like regret not doing that. I think the song's fine. fine. It would have maybe it would have been stupid. Maybe we would have spent all that time being like, yeah, this kind of sucks. Yeah. So and I have had that happen way more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But nothing. There wasn't anything that was like, man, I really wish we could have had a saxophone on this. I I don't think we had any of those moments at any point really. You no. Know, probably every moment for Jeff. Yeah. I mean, I think like in hindsight, thinking back, like, oh yeah, maybe we should have asked Darren to play some sax on the record, but didn't even think of it at the time because yeah. like. That was such the strings were like i wouldn't not have, an after they weren't a last minute afterthought but, but it was we were something rushed. we were rushed because people were recording their own parts it's hard to wrangle people so we had put the bug in people's ear but then it was like well it took us three weeks because it's pandemic it took us three weeks to get over there and show you the song so yeah. now we need it by next week that sort of thing but that's our fault as usual what are you sipping on uh i got a a nice uh good old pbr you go it's you know you might have missed fest this year but you got the pbr dude exactly you know can't go wrong with a nice mildly cold pbr <laughs> it always has to be mildly cold 
That's right. Uh, do you play in bands? Are you uh, no, musicians? No. So, uh, like, growing up, I, all my friends were in bands, so I usually, like, TM'd or did merch for them. Um, and then I used to kind of book some shows when I lived back home, but then when I kind of got out of it for a while, so, like, the podcast is, like, my way of being, like, re-immersed into the music scene. Um, so that's as, as close as I ever got. Sweet. Hell yeah. Let me open that for you. Uh, maybe you guys, I, I feel like I heard you say you live in, uh, Twin Cities. Yes, I do. Which of the Twin Cities? Uh, so I'm in the Minneapolis part of the Twin Cities. Okay, cool. My brother, uh, has lived in Minneapolis forever. He lives, uh, I guess technically St. Louis Park. Oh, okay. Yeah. I drive through. Yeah. It's like one of the first inner burbs, uh, but I drive through there every day uh, to go to work. There you go. My good friend Rob lives in St. Paul. Well, we should go up there. Sounds like we know some people. Done. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys ever make it up here, I know, I know you guys are playing Chicago. (laughs) I know you guys are playing Chicago and Grand Rapids in in like next week. Um, just a couple of one-off shows. Like what, what was the idea behind doing those ones? So we, during the pandemic, you mentioned it earlier, we put out a split seven inch with our friends, two houses. Um, it came out in 2020 and our plan the entire time was, Oh yeah. When it comes out, like you guys come down and we'll play a show in Atlanta and then we'll come up and play a show in Chicago. That'll be like a joint release show, you right. know, uh, maybe we'll put a couple shows together along the way. Um, and we were in the thick of the pandemic um, at that point in 2020. So that never happened. Um, so randomly, Jeff's like really good homies with the two houses crew. We all are, but like he's known them for longer yeah, than they all talk of us. Like all yeah. the time. Um, so Jeff had sent them a link to the new record and they're like, oh man, we'd love to come down and play the release show. And Jeff was like, okay. <laughs> so yeah. So then they said, well, like, great let's return the favor well let's book a couple shows up here so they came down for our release show they used all our gear we're going up there going to use all their gear so you know we got a lot of buds in grand rapids uh bong mountain we toured them in europe so they're super close and then the two houses crew in chicago so we also have just done well the few times that we've been to chicago and and um it's really weird to go to another city that we're not from and people like really seem to show up and, right um you know we make a good money and sell some merch and have a good show because in atlanta nobody gives a fuck <laughs> yeah but i also get it because like people have the chance to see you in atlanta like every couple months whereas yeah. chicago you go there maybe once a year so yeah. like people make it a priority like i get it if i and selfishly i have like friends in chicago that i want to see yeah. and i always but stay with like one of my college buddies it's it, chicago at least and in grand rapids it's kind of even though it's far away from us it's sort of a low risk trip we know we're probably going to get pretty close to breaking even on gas money um and it's a good excuse to go and see some friends but yeah we're treating it as kind of the seven inch release tour yeah <laughs> nice yeah. hell yeah uh I mean, yeah, the the times I uh, I was with my friends and we played Chicago, it's always a good time. And especially, like you're saying, like, it's an excuse to see friends at the same time. Like, the times we would tour, like, we would make sure we had stops in the same towns that, like, we knew people already to catch up because we hadn't seen them since, like, the year prior. So, like, hanging with homies, seeing people you haven't seen in a while, uh, it's always a good time. That's why you do it. And that's, uh, yeah, I think, like, the the older, you know, we're all in our mid-30s now, too. And just the older we get, it's like, 
I don't want to go play some like like Chattanooga. Nothing against Chattanooga, but it's not like we have all these like great close friends there. It's like, what are we gonna go do this for, right? <laughs> right. Like, because it's not a money gig for us. We're all taking time away from work. So if we're gonna do anything, it's gonna be places we want to go to see people we want to see. Yeah. Um, like places we haven't been that we're like, okay, well, if nothing else, this is a a cheaper vacation, right? right? But we will play Chattanooga. We do have friends there, but they're two hours away. So it's yeah. easier to see them without having the excuse of like, well, we got to make up gas money, you know? You have friends in Chattanooga. I don't know. You don't have friends anywhere. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. If I you want to be John's friend, if you want to be John's friend, just, just dial them up. I'll, I'll pay you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a lot. Well, that's awesome that you get, you get you get to do basically two album releases within a month of each other. One for Vega Promise and one for the Seven Inch. Um, so that, that's that's great that that lined up. Uh, one question I haven't asked in a while, and on one of these episodes, is the I have the Warp Tour question. Uh, let's say you know you're you're trying to hawk some CDs outside the line at, at Warp Tour. You just put out Beg a Promise, and there's the whole line of kids. Like, what song would you pick to have them listen to in that line to be like, "Yo, we're New Junk City. Check out this song." And then try and hawk the CD afterwards. Specifically, the Warped Tour crowd. Uh, well, not necessarily. Are they specifically like that. are they like waiting in line? Waiting in line. Okay, so just situationally, like, what are we? How would we pitch ourselves? Because if you're talking specifically fourteen-year-olds, my answer might be different. <laughs> they're fucking mean. Right. And I yeah. don't want them to. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I know from like Spotify metrics, like what our most popular song is, but I don't know that it's like my favorite song. I think I would show them the song Cavities because it has a cool riff at the beginning. Um, it has a catchy chorus and it has a cool bridge with like a couple little extra instruments in there, a little subtle. I feel like it's a good encapsulation. And it has a sound clip at the end. And a sound yeah. clip, yeah. yeah. The kids love a sample, you know? <laughs> yeah. Everybody's like, cool, where did you get such a lovely sampler? Uh-huh. <laughs> John just got a sampler, and I've been making fun of him relentlessly about it. It's just the newest thing that you've been making fun of me relentlessly about. <laughs> That's fine. Um, you want me to pull up the list? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that Cavities is definitely on the list. Either that, uh, like for this record, either that or High Contrast. I think High Contrast is really like very much a good representation of what like most of our catalog sounds like. So if the idea is someone like what kind of band are you? Like, here's a good example. Yeah. Um, it's it's fast and to the point. There's Two a minute long yeah, song. Yeah. There's a cool riff and hopefully the chorus is catchy. Like. Yeah. I mean, high contrast is the song that I found you guys from because uh, it was added to one of my like curated like new music playlist, and I like that's what I heard first, and I was like, I need to look up the rest of this album because this is fucking dope. Hell yeah. Algorithm using its powers for good. Thanks right. for checking it out. Okay. Uh, with is there any other like secret details with this whole record? I know, like you mentioned, it's two years. It was two years in the making uh, to finally get it out in 2022 because you know pandemic really fucks shit up. But uh, is there anything I might have missed or you want to talk about with this with Bega Promise? Um, so our friends at AF put it out, 
um, we kind of made that connection. So uh, another local Atlanta band, our buddies Reconciler, uh, put out a record on AF a couple years back. 2018, maybe? 2018, yeah. It's pandemic time. I don't know what yeah. it was. Yeah. But uh, they had had a really good experience with AF. Uh, their bass player, Darren, knows some of that crew from, from way back. So when uh, we finished recording and had some, like, sorry, I have the hiccups a little bit from this non-alcoholic Budweiser. Um, We're very cool. <laughs> yeah, clearly. We have a lot of friends. Um, but no, so they had had a really great experience with AF. So when we were sending our friends the record, seeing what they thought about it right after we had, like, started mixing, um, our friend Joseph just said, like, hey, do you want me to send it to AF? And we were like, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, Chris, he also plays a man night marathons. He kind of runs most of the operations of the label, hit us back up and was like, yeah, let's do it. And it was very simple, like very DIY, you know, uh, yeah. like I like this record, let's put it out and let's make it happen. And he got us our records on time. Um, and the music that we intended to be on them is on them. And you can't really ask for much more than that these days with yeah. like, you hear so many nightmare stories about vinyl production and vinyl delays and um yeah it just it, i think between like them being good people the records getting here on time like i don't know that we could have asked for yeah, really like it's, it's better experience very nice yeah. um and yeah so we're excited that the record's finally out we can start playing these songs um you know two years after the fact um, and we already have started recording some other music. We actually, the last day in the studio when we were tracking for Vega Promise, we recorded two songs mm -hmm. and went back and recorded a couple more. So there's more details about that project coming out later. It's nothing super secret, but um, yeah, we're just trying to stay active and stay busy and hopefully it won't be as long in between records as it was this last time. Yeah, well, I, all I gotta say is, uh, like I said, Vega Promise was a, a treat to listen to. I enjoyed every bit of it, and I'm stoked to see what New Junk City does next. Thanks, dude. Thanks. Yeah. And yeah, we'll hit you up about Twin Cities. Yeah. We'd love to come through. Yeah. If you're ever up here, let me know. We'll get some non-alcoholics. We'll, we'll fucking get some food. We'll do whatever, man. Fuck yeah. Sweet. Sounds great. So before we kind of transition to the later half of these episodes, uh, you guys, like we kind of talked about before the, the episode fully started, you played Fest again this year. Um it sounds like six or seven times as playing as uh, in a band playing fest, which is amazing that uh, you're able, you've been able to do it that many times. Um, Cause especially this year. And I think I saw some videos from prior years. You not only played your normal new junk set, but you also played a uh, cover set this year. You did the, the, the weatherkins. Uh, I think I saw you've recently done a Jimmy world, uh, a trio cover set um for for you guys like what does it mean like what does it mean feel like to be able to you know get asked to go back to fest every year and even like do you remember like that first moment when you got asked to be on fest like what what are the those moments like i do remember and they didn't ask us i asked them <laughs> but they didn't say no um, so so i was working for it did not say no, but they almost did. So the first fest we played was Fest 15. And I was working for a friend of ours, uh, Tyler, who actually uh, played bass on the record, um, and runs an amp company here in Atlanta called Acorn Amps. Um, he's from Gainesville. And so 
I think our first record had come out and I was like, we really want to go play Fest. Like I've been going to Fest for a few years. I think I've been going for four years at that point. And a band that I had played in previously played one year. I was like, this is the coolest shit ever. We really want to play Fest. Do you have Tony's email? Tony Winebender is the guy that like curates Fest. And he was like, oh yeah, sure. No problem. I'll send Tony an email and like send emails like, hey, this is my friend John's band. Like you should book them. Um, and he emailed back and he was like, well, we're only having bands that have previously played Fest on since it's our 15 year anniversary. So we're not really going to do any like freshmen this year, essentially. Yeah. And I was like, does it count that I played in a different band and Dakota played with the wild for like four years? I wasn't in a band at that point. Oh, you're right. Uh, Zach had played before and then Jeff had played before. Um, and he was like, okay, well, I'll consider you guys alumni, basically, and, and put us on. Um, and every year since we've been on. Yep. Yeah. But it is, it does feel very nice to feel like you're, you know, part of the community because that's all Fest really is. You're best friends. It is just a big little punk, punk community. Um, and it's always like flattering to get asked to go and just to, you know, play multiple sets some years. It's super fun. Um, yeah, it's a great time all around. It's always a treat to play. Yeah. Because, like, we were talking earlier, uh, between, like, all these festivals that go on, but whether you're looking at, like, Furnace Fest, Riot Fest, Stone Fury, um, I guess now the We Were Young Fest, because it sounds like they're going to keep doing that. Um, Fest is always, especially, like, in my mind, has always been, like, the most... And we, we you kind of talked about this earlier, John, where, like, punk and, like, DIY have this fine line where they're, like, very interchangeable and, like, kind of like a mix of, of each other where Fest always feels like that nice hometown DIY festival where it's, it's one, it's always a stacked lineup, but it's always just like chill people. You never hear anything like crazy happening. And it's always seems like a happy, like good fucking time. Whenever I see like my friends go and they post about it. Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously like, it probably says a lot about who Tony is and, you know, the, the type of people that he associates with. Um, Cause literally like from the attendees to the bands, the, the volunteers and like the organizers, like I've never, you know, I've never had beef with anyone at Fest. I've never seen a fight break out there. Um, like I don't know how it's gone on for 20 years, <laughs> just being like super cool. I think a lot of it is probably that like, the bands are really excited to be there. You know, everybody gets paid. It's not like, you know, we're not getting rich off playing fest, but you have an environment with an, an interested group of people, uh, people who are willing to go see bands that they have never heard of probably uh, and want to buy records. And, you know, the whole, the whole fest community, like is very supportive towards what we do because a lot of the people that go are people that play in bands. Um, it's not like when you play a bar show and, you know, half of the audience is standing in the back because they're more interested in the bar than they are in the bands. It's the complete opposite. Like right. everybody's so stoked to be there. And I don't think that there's ever really been big enough headliners that you're going to have a lot of that like rock star behavior that can kind of ruin it. Well, and that what comes with that too. They're is... big in our community. Yeah. But like, yeah. I think though, like, with the headliners as well, like they're big in our community, but it's not big enough to where you're getting people like kind of outside of our scene being like, 
I'm going to fly from Seattle, Washington to go see rancid play, you know, right. and it's like people who don't get like what our community is about and its values and its ethos. So you're not getting, I read something over the weekend when we were down there, 20 years, no fights. How do you do that when you have thousands and thousands of people for 20 years in a row who are like pissed drunk yeah. for three yeah. no fights? <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm sure there's been a like bump into somebody, but no brawls, no major incidents. No, um, just there's something to be said. Like you can't even do that. I used to teach middle school. Like you can't even go through a week of middle school without that. <laughs> like, but yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing weekend, and it's absolutely bonkers that they've been able to sustain it and keep it as fresh as long as they have. Yeah, um, I'm excited every year when I get down there. Uh-huh. I just honestly, like, you ask, like, what are those moments like? Like, I just feel lucky. Like, I, I feel really, like, uh, I like, how did we sneak in here? You know, like, who let this happen? Uh, but that we've got to do it for so long and that we've made so many, so many more friends and, like, um, you know, become friends with other bands, too. We, uh, we met somebody from the UK, um, David, who was like, hey, I like your band. I run a label in the UK. You'd want to put out a record? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just cool little things like that. Um, like, my old band uh, played one year, and we had been, like, internet friends with a band from Japan, and we met them Worthwhile Way. We met them for the first time at Fest, and it was amazing. So it's just, it's truly, like, a gift uh, that Fest exists, and it's an even bigger gift with a big bow on top when you get to play Cause then you're not just like aimlessly walking around yeah. <laughs> you're just but going, like i you know i think you said you've never gone without playing and i went i was like a job though i'm antsy that's true i went fest 11 and 12 and didn't play and like still had the best weekend of yeah. my year for all the same all the same reasons like you were saying it's just like the cherry on top to get to play a set to people that want to see you right yeah, because you were saying like your your the venue you guys played at for both venues this year were at capacity, which is amazing. Um, that there's that many people that, I mean, it, like it really shows like the the community where they're like, we might not even know who this band is, but they're here. We're here. We're gonna fucking jam out. We're gonna pack out this room. So that's that's great. That's also the fun thing about the cover sets is like a lot of people don't come to see you play covers. Like they they I mean I mean they do. They didn't come to see like New Junk City do it. They were just like, I fucking love the Weaker Thans. Like, right. let me go watch these guys play Weaker Thans yeah. songs. Um, and like, if they and if they like become a fan of our band, like that's awesome. But it's again also like I I kept telling everybody after that set, I was like, I get why like old dudes play in fucking bar bands. Uh, yeah. Like after <laughs> it's so fun after the Alkaline Trio cover set. Uh, it might have been Jeff. It was somebody who was like, that's the most fun set I've ever played in my entire life. And I was like. <laughs> That's cool. (laughs) But no, it's everything about Fest um, from a performer standpoint, from an attendee standpoint. I've never really had like a a bad time or a bad experience. I've been tired some years, um, which is nothing new in my life, being tired. Uh, But no, it's great. I highly recommend anyone listening. um, If you haven't been to Fest and it's within your means and you have the time, um, it's it's, you should go at least once. we took our friend for his 40th birthday this year. It was his first fest and it was kind of adorable. And he's like, I, I want to play next year. Like I'm coming back next year. So it's any, any age group you are in, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's good people. It's, you will find a band you like. Yeah. Um, even if like you're not entrenched in like the DIY punk scene, there's tons of stuff. 
Yeah, it's it's always amazing to me every time the 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 fest flyer comes out and you see all the bands and it's just like everything keeps getting smaller and there's so many more bands that you're just like fuck who who are they and just like yeah it's yeah where it's so really crazy small and down here <laughs> you're like who are they is that a smudge <laughs> well like so like my friends played and uh he, he was we were just one day i think just talking about the podcast and he's like you need to go look at the the fest lineup and just go through all those bands and just start hitting people up and i was like i do need to and i pulled up the picture and i was like this is a lot of fucking words and like fine print and like but like it's it's crazy how many people are asked to play and get to play this crazy amazing what i call like the mecca for for punk it's either this or pooza fest in canada and and those are like the top two in like this scene i feel like it's overwhelming and i love it and i love that every single band playing gets their name on the poster yeah it's yeah. not just the headliners you might find it, but every single band gets their name on the poster every single band gets their name on the back of the t-shirt it's very sweet everybody gets paid yep everybody gets drink tickets meal tickets you like, get taken care of it's very sweet it's the best festival in the world that's fucking amazing yeah. it's weird that it exists in america <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, uh, cheers to, to Fest and uh, many more years of Fest uh, for you Absolutely. guys as well. Uh, but now as we kind of uh, kind of move past Fest, it, this is Beers with Bands. You don't have to be drinking alcohol in these episodes. But what are you guys drinking on this fine, what is it, Wednesday night? We are both drinking Budweiser Zero. Uh, Dakota is... Uh, I don't know. Do you claim it? I don't claim it. No. But Dakota has never drank. I'm a sober Sally. Um, I am an alcoholic in recovery, so uh, just NA beer for me now. Okay. Respect it. Yeah. You know. it's, uh, I've never yeah. had like a real beer, but if it tastes like this, I'm not missing anything. Beers. <laughs> <So. laughs> it's uh, old. I'll give it that. Yeah. They leave a little bit to be desired, uh, like getting you drunk. So do I. That's fine. Um, yeah, I've uh, been a bartender for a while. Well, I still am a bartender, um, and so the having like NA options, um, it's kind of like when I went vegan. Uh, I remember there not being. I'm not vegan anymore. Um, just swapped that out. Uh, Stop being a vegan. Became an alcoholic. <laughs> uh, I remember there not being like a ton of options you know like boca burgers had existed forever but it was like pre-impossible burgers and beyond meat and and all that and i was like uh oh, there's some sometimes you just like want a thing there's no real replacement for it and now there's like tons of shit like you can go to burger king and get an impossible uh a depression meal yeah <laughs> which like does it taste exactly like a cheeseburger like no but it's 90 plus percent of the way there um and there used to be fucking like no non-alcoholic options. Like my, I grew up with a dad who didn't drink, and uh, you know, I'd be like, I'd heard of O'Doul's. I was like, do you ever drink O'Doul's? He's like, no. It's, that shit is a punishment. Like it's disgusting. It's really gross. Yeah, O'Doul's amber. Yeah, I would just rather not have it than than have that. Um, and now there's ton, there's tons of like craft non-alcoholic right. beers, and Budweiser has one, Heineken has one. There's non-alcoholic Guinness. There's not alcoholic spirits. Like, uh, so I said, I work at a cocktail bar and, 
yeah, having options has made it like I don't know how people got sober before this shit existed. Um, it's nice being able to use um, any drink tickets uh, not on like Coca Cola and Red Bull. Yeah. I can get like a little non alky something, non alcoholic IPA or whatever that kind of tastes gross, but <laughs> <laughs> like it's better than like get some syrup, baby. Yeah. Um, I still love it. I'll I'll crush like a fucking twelve pack in the night of non alcoholic beers. <laughs> Clearly, I'm still fucking chasing the dragon, but no, that, that's that, that is true. Like there, I've noticed that too. Like there's more NA options for people that don't want to drink or choosing not to drink, and that's amazing that those options are there. And even going back to like the whole vegan thing, like those options being there for people, like it's it's crazy how much things have changed over the last like X amount of years. Well, and I think it's also just as important to have those options for people who like aren't necessarily alcoholics but maybe like want to spend that time with their friend at the bar and like want to have something in their hand to drink right right? it's not just soda water but like i don't know that way like like the thing that was really difficult for me was i love the ritual of going to a bar Um, and i love like you know the ritual of sitting around like sharing food and drink with people and to not have to like cut yourself out of that or like if you're doing a dry month or you're just like well i gotta drive so i can only have one whatever but that means you can hang out for the rest of the night and i think allowing people to like you know have more sort of agency and in those environments uh that can be really like you know super unhealthy uh is just a a net positive i got uh on the flip side of that like unreasonably frustrated (laughs) Uh, so there's a festival, um, it's a neighborhood festival in Atlanta called Chomp and Stomp, and it's becoming bigger and bigger. Uh, my wife, Lauren, and I went, and uh, there was, you know, of course, there's like beer booths or tents or whatever, I don't care. Uh, but there was one that said, hard water, alcoholic water. And I was like, why? I just can't get some water? I go to the bar, and they're like, sorry, we only have alcoholic water. I had like a straight edge revenge moment, like right in front of the booth. And then I was like, I gotta get out of here. How do you... Who wants that? That's what I said. Right. I was like, why would you do this? Can I just get a water? Yeah, but it's got alcohol in it. <laughs> like, you got me. <laughs> it was it was a moment. I, I, I'm ashamed to admit. I didn't do anything about it, but I can, which is the American way. <laughs> yeah. That's just fucking stupid. That's what I said. Alcoholic. Like, oh, yeah. wow. That's what, like, that's, that's what, what this is. Yeah. That exists already. <laughs> And then they added because no one wants to drink something boring. Listen, that not like get sober. They made alcoholic water. It's time to get sober. <laughs> <laughs> Done. No, it's not that simple. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna transition to the the last half of these episodes. Like this is this is actually the final part now. I mean, we we talked. Uh, we we talked the new record. We talked Vega Promise. We talked some fest. We talked some drinks, um, alcoholic and non-alcoholic. Like I always say, you don't have to drink any any alcohol. All these episodes, I respect everyone's life choices. Uh, but this is water, yeah, that's a new stipulation I'm gonna put in. I'm gonna send everyone a case of alcoholic water and just be like, you have to drink this on the episode. All of it. <laughs> but uh. Now we're into the reason that these these episodes even exist. Um, this is where we kind of just talk fun stories from your guys' time in music, whether it's shows, tours, uh, obviously playing fest. I'm sure there's some crazy things there. 
um, time recording. As I normally say, anything horrendous to tremendous or any adjective in between. Um, mainly, I got tired of listening to my friends' stories because I was in the van with them when they happened, and you can only listen to that story be repeated so many times. Uh, honestly, like, we're pretty boring. Uh, one tremendous and, like, overwhelmingly sweet moment um, happened. Um, to no one's surprise, it did not happen in America. Um, but, no, we got lucky enough in 2019 that summer, uh, we got to tour Europe with our friends The Run-Up in Bong Mountain. And we were in Aachen, Germany, about to play somewhere called the Music Bunker, which was a repurposed air raid shelter from World War II. And we're just like hanging out. Like, no one knows who we are. Like, we're a band from Georgia and we're somehow in Germany. We're so far away from home. And before the show, we're literally just sitting outside in a park. I think you just like sat in dog poop. Somebody had sat in dog poop. It was just a moment. And this guy comes up and he says, New Junk City? And we're like, yeah, oh, sorry, I'm covered yeah. in dog poop. And uh, he's like, I've made your playlist for you. And he hands us this list of songs he wanted us to play the whole night. He, he made was from Germany. He came from a different country. Yeah, he came from, like, <laughs> the Netherlands to see us at the Music Bunker. And he wrote out a list of 12 songs that he wanted to hear. And we're like, what? How are we here? We're <laughs> truly, like, an absolute the epitome of a nobody band and we're in germany already how did that happen how did they let us in and this guy came up and like had a list of songs he wanted to hear and he was one of four people at the show <laughs> and uh and, like we played the songs and he was like you're better on recording but thank you and he bought some stuff and uh it was so i think just like one of the most gratifying moments uh being a musician or playing in a band like never in your wildest dreams do you think you're going to play anywhere, let alone another country where some dude from another country comes and says, hey, I know your songs well enough to have made your set list. Yeah. It was absolutely mind-blowing. Um, and it, it still is to this day. Honestly, m most of the shows on that little run were highlights, um, not even necessarily because of like attendance, but the, the last show we played was at a festival in Hamburg, uh, called Booze Cruise. Very similar to the fest. And um, yeah, like we're nobodies, you know? Like we we have had hundreds of copies of our records for many years. Like it just always felt like, I don't, I don't know who's, like a few people are listening. Sure, like my friends bought the record. And then all of a sudden we're in Europe, like playing this show to like a mostly full room and there's people singing our songs back at us and it's just like like dakota said like how the fuck did we get here why are we here yeah. well and same thing when the new record came out like day one we got messages from so many people in other countries like where can i get all your over record? europe like hey where can we get your record in europe like the shipping's obscenely expensive from america thanks usps um so it was like oh i guess we need to work on european distribution so it's just very sweet interactions and i think like this isn't even the i'm sure this isn't even the type of story you were looking for but no, like, I, I love this every every single show is a gift and it's so humbling that anyone listens to any music we've put out um but it just especially when it's 
people who truly like i have no idea how you heard this like uh, why do you care thank you but why <laughs> yeah like truly to show up somewhere where you don't know a single you don't even know the language a single soul um like it's one thing you you go to somewhere that you have friends like like we do in the states and you're like oh my friends went out of their way to like try to put on a good show and they played our record for their friends like you can at least figure out like how it happened if there's people there that know your music but there right. i'm like like nobody from germany like ordered our record that i know of so like how the fuck did they that's that's like the cool thing one the it's the only cool thing about yeah. the internet <laughs> spotify um and there's i mean there's always like anytime you take like a dude trip you know in a stinky fart band like you're gonna have stupid inside jokes but n none that are worth repeating or that like yeah like i can't even really when we were in europe we decided somehow i think this happened uh my flight to europe had gotten canceled the day before so all this stuff happened so i was awake for like 36 hours straight trying to get there um and instead of like flipping someone off, I use my ring finger and my thumb. Oh uh, yeah. So I know on the podcast no one can see it, but if you put your ring finger and your thumb out, so we got everybody on the tour instead of flipping people off to do that. And then we said, frick the police. And we would take pictures behind police officers <laughs> doing that. Like, oh, uh, we said pidgeys up. Yeah. Instead, instead of, of like, flipping birds, it was flipping a pigeon. Yeah, it was very <laughs> stupid. Incredibly stupid. And no yeah. one cares that it wasn't there. But there's so many pictures of us like flipping off these European yeah. police officers. It's <laughs> the same way you like, you know, come up with like silly shit like a sleepover when you're a kid or like right. on a road trip with your like cousin and like all the lights siblings. are out and you're like you guys believe in god <laughs> <laughs> or like i don't know it, it's like when you have your friend from elementary school that you know you can look at them and say like pudding and they'll just like see <laughs> it work that's so much of tour is just these little inside jokes that no one cares about and no yeah. one understands except the people there i mean you know that um but yeah like uh, horrendous things uh one time we bought a van <laughs> yeah i love it. how you just immediately started laughing on that yeah one time we bought a van it was called the dks which was short for the dwight k Schrute because it was brown like his suit on the outside and on the inside the ceiling cover the cloth was missing so you would hit your head and it would rain what we called cheeto dust on you it was just insulation that had rotted and uh we, we bought this van and we're going we're actually it's our first van and that's actually, right. to this day, only van the band has ever owned. We got my van. <laughs> yeah, but that's your van. Yeah. This okay. Anyway, honestly, this, a band. This is a band van. It was right after I joined the band. And uh, we were like, we're going to go out of town. We're going to go play some shows. We're going to go to Chicago. We're going to go to Grand Rapids. <laughs> and then we're going to go to Dayton, Ohio. And we made it to Chicago just fine. We made it to Grand Rapids just fine. And there was a lot of snow. We decided to test this van in the snow. It was February think mm -hmm. it was not a good idea and then we're two hours maybe outside of dayton and not we're, even we're we're close we're like an hour and a half hour 10 minutes outside of dayton and we're like oh man we got a flat tire and like we get out of the van i'm like crawling under it. i'm like tires look good let's keep on going maybe we just hit a bump and like we go for a quarter of a mile and we're like this is not good pull into a walmart they can't tell us what's wrong have to get a crappy hotel room, can't play the show. And then it turns out this van that we got, um, it was the one year that they had changed this particular like bearing. So it was super rare and no one could find one. So we, we bought a van and we played two shows with it and then never saw it again. Yeah, no, I what happened to it. It's
that's just still sitting in Lebanon, yeah. Lebanon, Ohio? Sydney, Ohio. Sydney, Ohio. You guys just abandoned it? Uh, yeah, legend has it, it on these winter nights. So uh, our bass player at the time, Zach, um, he took it to a shop, and the guy was like, yeah, man, here's a scoop. It's this rare part, blah, blah, blah. I'll look for it, but, like, it's going to be a while. Yeah, and we talked to all our homies down here that, you know, work on cars in their spare time. We called shops everybody basically was like yeah dude that's a 15 dollar part it's a needle in a haystack it just does not exist like you're gonna have to go to like a pick apart junkyard and like you're not gonna find it um so eventually i think that we're just like hey dude just take the van keep it like scrap it do whatever you want like we're not coming to get it like it was a thousand dollar van or something i don't know if that ever happened or not Maybe, maybe he just eventually was like oh they abandoned it yeah who knows i don't know what happened with it but uh that was cool yeah dks yeah uh we also got all our gear stolen one time that was cool yeah that was a horrendous that was really really stupid um yeah there's not really we got got some of it back so there's like somewhat of a happy ending we had uh yeah that was uh that was in 28 2019. 2019 yeah no it would have been 2018 uh because reasons that was right when camp hope opened that's 2018. right it was 2018 uh i was running a diy space we had moved in for it to become our practice space and um yeah some dude broke in um and stole all our stuff he did it like home alone style he broke into the unoccupied space next door crawled over the ceiling tiles came down unlocked the front door and rolled all of our gear out yeah, and then the cops wow. were no help uh, we submitted like a police report just because we had to do that for like, here is all of our serial numbers. And like, I kept calling our detective. Well, we kept finding our shit on Craigslist. Even before that, I called our detective because he had never like actually called me. And he was like, a, literally a month later, which is like the pawn shop checkoff date. They keep gear for a month before it hits the floor. And I was like, hey, man, just checking to see if this is in the system. I had talked to some people and they said it's not. And he goes, oh yeah man your list of stuff that got stolen was really long i haven't even looked at it yet jesus Um, yeah so we kept seeing our stuff popping up online though and getting flipped like multiple times so we had like zach's Zach's base was on its third sale by the time he got yeah and we had friends being like hey dude this guy listed this i'm gonna message him to stall like i'm gonna say like hey you got any other amps like i'm just starting out and like it was this whole thing we got some of the gear back Anything that was like hand built and handmade came That's, back. That was the 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 cops didn't seem to understand. Like, you know, my guitar was like heavily modified, so I'm like, here's pictures of it, right? It has like different knobs, different pick guard. There, there's an outline of the stickers I had on it, like, right? And um, and then I I'm like, it's in this case. Here's a picture of the inside of the case. And literally that has these three screwdrivers in it like (laughs) pops up on craigslist uh, with all the stuff in the case the case open i'm like see i i showed you the picture of what the guitar used to say on it you can see the outline in this picture and he's like yeah but if the serial number doesn't match and i was like dude get he was so stuck on this like not understanding that these things are like customized and one-on-one and like no my amplifier doesn't have a serial and his amp so john worked at this amp shop custom built an amp for himself it said vernacus amp on it it's like it literally has my name on it yeah. sir my it, name is on it this is not a production model so wow. they were utterly useless to the surprise of no one um, we had to basically just keep calling that person's boss until they were so tired 
of getting shit on by their superior that like they gave us some line of shit that they were trying so to he, tie they them us, to a bigger yeah, case. They told us two different things. So the dude would be like, Mr. Floyd, do you want to get all your stuff back or do you want to get none of your stuff back? Because this guy, this guy, he's got so many aliases. He's got his fingers in a lot of pots. We're going to get him. Like, he's got his fingers in a lot of pots. Yeah, it was like really weird. And I was like, yes, I want all of my stuff back, please. Um, but then John would talk to him and he'd be like, you're not getting anything back, bucko. Like, <laughs> so it, finally I told him that we didn't want to press charges. Yeah. We had no interest in anything except like getting our property yeah, like, returned to us. We said, we don't care about your case. Like, I just want my stuff. And yeah. he was like, fine. And then literally two days later, get the call. Hey, we recovered some of your stuff. Like, homie, you didn't recover it. We found it for you. <laughs> the address. We told you the gas station. Like all this. Like, oh my god. Um. So that sucked. Uh. So yeah. Uh. Great times in Europe. Uh. Bad times, times in, in Sydney, Ohio. Bad times in Atlanta. <laughs> but yeah. Overall, that's probably, that's probably the craziest shit that's happened. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we've uh haven't had too many like major calamities as a band though uh we you know if you ask about like older bands we've been in when we were younger and, oh, and dumber <laughs> my goodness but for new junk city at least in my tenure in the band it's been like fairly fairly smooth yeah yeah that's good yeah. though because i mean yeah new junk's been around for 10 years at this point like that that's great that like the worst story you have is you lost did you have being stolen <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, but getting some of it back. Yeah. I still really want that V1 bookworm pedal that I had, though. It, the V2 that I replaced it with did not sound the I same. I would like my Showman amp. Uh, yeah, Dakota was gifted a 66 Fender Showman. Played it once. At practice. And then it got stolen. I, but I just got 300 bucks to get it re-everything that they weren't. Yeah. Well, you did okay on your on your basement deal. Yeah, I replaced it with something better, but then I had to pay for it, so yeah. that wasn't cool. Yeah, but you got a good deal on it. But I mean, it's amazing that you were able to still, through your own detective work and your friend's detective work, not that detective doing his work, because fuck what that guy was trying to do, that you were able to get some of your stuff back. Um, if anyone's listening and you live in the Atlanta area, uh, you're still seeing gear out there, you know, hit up these guys. Uh, we'll, we'll add a list at the end. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't like, matter what it is. Fight tooth and nail. It's for probably it. give it back. Yeah, you see a sousaphone? Mine. Yes. <laughs> All sousaphone. Uh, but like I said, uh, I mean, Bag of Promise is amazing. I'm so happy for you guys to finally put it out, and not, I mean, not just put it out, but put it out. Experience Fest with it. When you guys were saying you didn't know how the response was going to be, packed out room. People actually gave a shit. And then still had your album release show the week after. Um, crazy few weeks for you guys. And, and it sounds like it all went amazing. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's been a gift for sure. Um, if anyone's looking for merch, music, or New Drunk City in general, where can they find it? Uh, music on Spotify and, and Bandcamp. Obviously, Bandcamp's always uh, preferential. Um, 
can order the record through us. We have a limited run site set up. Uh, all relevant information is on our link tree, which you can find through our Instagram. Mm -hmm. We're most active on Instagram. Yeah, uh, it's New Junk City ATL, um, and that's I'm a I'm a screen printer, so we're constantly posting like new merch designs, old merch designs, shows, stupid pictures of Jeff. Uh, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Clearly, I'm an internet mogul. Yeah, if you want to talk to Dakota, DM the Instagram for sure. Punish me. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me uh, about all the stolen gear you found. <laughs> uh, and you can definitely find all those links in the description below uh, to the link tree, all the merch, all that fun stuff. And depending on where you found this episode, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or uh, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, that's the other one. That's the I usually do that in different order. That threw me off. Uh, yeah, hit those right now. You just forgot about it entirely. Yeah. Uh, hit those hyperlinks and follow New Junk City on all the socials to stay up to date with everything they have coming up. Uh, I know this this episode comes out after the Chicago and Grand Rapids dates, but I'm sure those popped off super hard. But stay up to date for any new releases um, that we might be seeing in the future. Uh, before we fully take off, is there any last words you have for the listeners? Uh, just thank you. Like anyone that gives a shit about our band and anyone that takes any time out of their life to listen to songs that we made, it really means the world. So just thank you. Uh, well, on top of that, I want to say one more big thank you to John Dakota and uh, New Junk City for taking the time out of their Wednesday to sit down with me and, uh, chat about everything they have going on over you know a pbr on my end a few uh na's over on their end uh, i really do appreciate you guys taking the time um like i normally say if you or anyone you know should be on an episode of beers with bands feel free to reach out i have the email on all the socials dm me on any of the socials and uh we'll have a good time chat some music talk about what else is going on um other than that go listen to beg a promise and i'll catch everyone on the next episode See ya. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I woke up late again. I heard you moving around outside. I'm over hanging out. Till you can catch your eyes. Was it Sarah on the phone? Asking where you went to hide. Last night. Is it ever the last time? Just like
close my eyes I try to listen sweetly I hear the snow plows nearby Salt crackling under my feet And I can feel you breathing Like the wind through the limbs Of the old oak tree I'm gonna miss